Isaiah 1, verses uh, 1, and then picking it up in verse 10. Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah 1, 1, and then 10 through 20. And I invite you to stand as we share together God's word. The vision of Isaiah, son of Amos, who, uh, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and the fat of fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls, or of lambs, or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who ask this from your hand? Trample my courts no more. Bringing offerings is futile. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and calling of convocation. I cannot endure solemn assemblies with iniquity. Your new moons and your appointed festivals my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you may make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Kids, come in and wash your hands. It's supper time. How many of us have ever heard that? Whether we were outside playing or outside working, mom would holler out the window. Uh, kids, come in and wash your hands. It's supper time. And by the way, in North Missouri, in that day it was supper, not dinner. And uh, we knew exactly what she meant. And we were usually too busy playing and didn't want to take time to wash our hands, but uh, that was the requirement. Isaiah the prophet uh, is uh, making a similar call to the people of God to come wash their hands. And uh, there are a couple of things about this text, if you read and listen carefully to the context, that were probably surprising to the people of Isaiah's day, and a couple of things that are probably surprising to us that we don't even realize. Here's the first surprise. Our first surprise is that these words about washing our hands are for us, not for all those other people. You know how the people of Israel always thought that when God was going to judge, he was going to judge all those heathen out there, right? But the judgment was for God's people. And we sometimes think, you know, what God needs to do is set right all those people out there, when in reality, the word of God is about those of us in here. The people in Isaiah's day and the people in our day had fallen into a practice of playing church. They would come to the temple 
and they thought that was sort of a king's X, that was sort of a safety zone uh, where they could not ever, ever experience bad circumstances. Uh, it, was a, it was a game for them, although they didn't realize it was a game. You know, the way we play it, that, well, if I take communion every time it's offered, then I can go out and live like I want to. All I have to do is join church, and that's my fire insurance. I don't have to follow Christ. Or I went forward in a revival, and that's my relationship with God, and, and I don't need to do anything else. We have all kinds of ways that we play that game. You know, that, that version of tag that you play as a child where, you know, not it, not it, and... Uh, when the person tags you, then you're it. But if you get, to the, if you get to, the, to the safe place and you're touching the safe place and they touch you, it doesn't count. The tag doesn't count. And we, we play those games. It's almost like a superstition. It's almost like uh, an incantation of magic that the people of God were playing that we sometimes play. So the first surprise was that these words are not for people way out there. These words are for us, for us to examine the games we play. And then the second surprise is that Isaiah's reference to sin is not just about the private personal sins of our individual lives, but his reference to sin is to corporate sin, communal sin, societal sin, systemic sin. Now, we like to privatize religion in our evangelical Baptist tradition. You know, the guy bragged, I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't go with girls who do. And it was that, it was, it was that notion of personal piety that it is, I, I don't do those nasty things that other people do, therefore I'm okay with God. And personal piety is good. Personal religion, personal faith is good, but it's not enough. Uh, the prophet Isaiah spoke immortal words that that have been put to music so many times. Verse 18, Come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. Though our sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. But what we forget is the verse that comes just before that. When he is talking about the promise and the need of washing our hands, in verse 17 he says, Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed. And by the, word that, by the way, the, the Hebrew word for rescue is not soothe the oppressed or comfort the oppressed. It is to leverage out the oppressed. It is to deal with the causes, not the symptoms of the oppression. And then he says, you are to defend the orphan, plead for the widow. It's the people of God, us the church, who must speak for people in society who have no voice. And Isaiah says, because you've not done that, In verse 15, he says, your hands are full of blood. Your hands are full of blood. So he's talking about about systemic kinds of sins, sins of society. We need to wash our hands not only of individual sins, but of corporate sins. Here's what I've noticed. That people who want to keep their religion private are often the ones who want to keep their religion private so that they can keep it separated from real life. And by keeping their religion private and separated from real life, they keep it impotent to make any difference in their daily experience. And what Isaiah is saying is that it can never be impotent, it can never be disconnected from real life 
What we do in here can never be disconnected from Monday through Saturday. It's all part of the same calling of God. Uh, the Christian author Marva Dawn asked a very pointed question one time. She said, what does it mean when we meet in our expensive buildings to share the Lord's meal while so many around the building don't have enough food to eat all week long? You see the connection? And we could take that further and say, what does it mean that we meet in an expensive, comfortable building in our Sunday holy huddle while so many around us don't know about Jesus Christ and His forgiveness and God's love. See, something has to happen to where we get that connection. One of the beauties of the Lord's Supper is that it keeps us grounded in reality. The the problem with the people in Isaiah's day is that what they were doing wasn't real. It was just sort of up here in the clouds. But the The bread and the cup keep us grounded in reality. Jesus was really here. He really lived. He really died on the cross for our sins. And our sins are really costly to God's heart. It cost Him His Son. All these things really happen and really matter. You know, I think um, in our attempt in our early Baptist history to keep the Lord's Supper from seeming too magical, from keeping it from looking as if it's just an an incantation that we go through and then go out and live like we want. In our effort to keep it from being too much of a ritual, we have almost made it not important enough. There's a mystery to this communion meal. And to share the cup and the bread with one another in the presence of God is to enter into the mystery of God and to experience some deep things about the connections of what we do here and how we live. Years ago, uh, I was, I've shared this story with some of you, but uh, I was pastoring in a different place, and we had decided as a leadership uh, of the church that we would do a Sunday night communion service and we would do a service of silence that sometimes words get in the way. And so we had the song service, and uh, before communion, uh, I read the words of institution from the Gospels. I explained what we were going to do. I explained the significance of the Lord's Supper, Jesus' death for us on the cross for our sins, God's great love poured out for us. And then I said, we're going to observe the two elements in silence. And in total silence, the bread plate was passed, uh, the cup trays were passed, It was a very moving, very, very poignant service. And after the service, a physician in the church came up to me and said, this has helped me so much. God spoke to me tonight. I've been been facing some career choices uh, in my medical practice. And he said, I just couldn't get clarity. And he said, sorry, Pastor, it wasn't your words. (laughs) It was the silence. It was the communion experience. It was the mystery of being in Christ's presence at this meal. And he said, I got clarity for seeing my life as a mission, for seeing my life as a blessing to others instead of just what I've been doing routinely. And for him, it was, it was an epiphany. There's power when we come honestly before God. And you know, 
there's a connection between what we're doing here and the way we're going to live our lives the rest of this week. There's a connection between this meal and the way we view social injustice around us. And so I would say to each of you here this morning, if you have lost your way, come to the table. Come to Jesus. If you want to know how to become a Christian, you don't, you don't understand what Jesus has done for you. Come to the table. Listen to what we say. Observe the elements. Think about Jesus dying for you, for your sins, and how by faith you can take him in. If you're here this morning and you're tired, just oh so tired, and you don't think you can put one foot in front of the other, come to the table. If this morning your heart is cold, you're here going through the motions, but your heart is cold and hard, just confess that to God and come to the table. If this morning you're confused and discouraged and you feel all alone, come to the table. Jesus invites us to experience his presence in powerful ways. And if this morning you just feel dirty, you just don't feel clean and right before the Lord, then in the name of Jesus, share in the table. And listen to these immortal words. Come now. Let us argue it out. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Even though they are red like like crimson, they shall be white as snow. In other words, wash your hands. It's supper time.